Well, you would expect this from anybody who stands up here, but it's just glorious to see this building full of you. Uh, just great to see you on Easter morning. Uh, gosh, great to see all your faces. He is risen. You're here because he is risen. And we heard in Colossians this morning, not only is Jesus risen, since then you have been raised with Christ. Who is the you? You all, right? That good southern uh, duality of uh, phraseology. Uh, you all have been raised with Christ. What does that mean that Jesus has been raised from the dead and you have been raised in him? through him, by him. What does it mean? And I'd like to focus on that some this morning rather than on merely the resurrection of Jesus, which is stupendous in itself. But the resurrection of Jesus is truly stupendous because of the impact it has on the life of every believer. You're here because you're a believer. Or you're here because you are a seeker and want to believe. Or maybe you're here because you simply were invited to come and you're not a believer at all. But Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection is for everyone in this room, under this roof. Since then, you all have been raised with Christ. We all have been raised with Christ. I want to give some old news for you first this morning and some bad news. Let me remind you what you already know, that Jesus did not come. He did not come and change the world. His tragic death made no difference to the world. And his irrelevant resurrection is met with disbelief, disdain, and disrespect by many today, just as it was in his day and in every generation since. In fact, for some maybe even many, Jesus Christ is a swear word. Think of that. Remember the prologue, the beginning of John's gospel, when he said he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, what? The world did not recognize him. Re yep. The world is still the same old nasty place. In fact, it will cause us sometimes to wonder and doubt whether Jesus is true and whether his death was valid upon the cross and whether his resurrection has made any difference because the world is still the same old nasty place. The Sudan, Syria, Egypt, Crimea, our own racism, our own affluenza, greed here and greed there, greed on Wall Street, Greed in the local real estate market, no doubt. The meth labs down the neighborhood street in Ladson or even closer. Sometimes it's even still the same old nasty world under our own roof. Now, I don't plan to make today a downer because this is Resurrection Sunday. But simply want to start truthfully that if someone had not done something the world and everyone in it would have gone to hell in a handbasket. This is the world that Jesus came to impact. 
impacting it by his death, the forgiveness of sins, the blood of the Lamb washing the sins of the world, of people's sins away, and impacted by his resurrection. Jesus does and will impact in an extraordinary fashion one gospel-drenched person at a time. Because when you're bathed in that truth and bathed in that love, bathed in his death for you, and bathed in his resurrection power and the gift of his spirit, you will never be the same. And so Paul writes here, there, and elsewhere in his New Testament letters, since then, you have been raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. Again, the beginning of John's gospel, his prologue. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Sons and daughters of the royal, in the royal family, adopted into the royal family, prince and princesses. So we've got a contrast here. We've got the world. It has not changed in thousands of years. It's broken and will remain broken, the gospel tells us, until Jesus' next return. I like the way Eugene Peterson translates the New Testament. He kind of adds his commentary in there and gives depth and weight to his words. But um, he speaks of what this world is like in this fashion. This is from Galatians 5 when there's that list of things of the world. He says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on, is the way Eugene Peterson finishes Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 21st verse. And in that, in that world, he came. He comes. He dies. He's risen. And because of that, Paul writes, out of the experience of his own life, knowing what are the possibilities and potentialities for your life as his, Paul writes, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now, we have um, given you a gift today. I love a church. I love a community that is thinking in terms of giving. Uh, we receive so much, and sometimes we're able to give. And it's actually become a, a custom on uh, Easter morning is to have some sort of gift for the family. And you got one today, didn't you? I hope everybody got one. We ordered enough of them for everybody. Uh, you got a, a bottle of water, and you, you got a koozie. Um, the koozie is going to last a lot longer than the bottle of water. 
And the bottle of water, as we know from the woman at the well, it will only quench your thirst temporarily, but it's pointing to a greater truth, isn't it? That there is a thirst that only God in Jesus can quench, and uh, that is called living water. You know, in, uh, in Old Testament times, New Testament times, today times, in the Holy Land, um, living water is extraordinarily expressive of something different from water. Think of a dry and arid land that has a lot of desert, and now and then you are happy to find a well of water or a pool of water. It's been under the hot sun for days and days and days, weeks and weeks, but it's something to quench your thirst. And you go to that pool of water, and it's, it's hot and tepid, and it's got stuff in it, and if you weren't so thirsty, you wouldn't even drink it, but it's all you got in a land like that, and you're happy to get water at all. But then there's living water. And in that land, imagine what living water looks like. It's the water that bursts out of a, a place up in the high in the, a mountain area, comes out as a spring out of the coolness of the mountains because it's been protected from the shade of the sun, and it begins to break and flow over the rocks and um, there's stuff, uh, there's wonderful greenery growing out of it because it's so nourishing and it's purifying itself every hundred feet. They told me when I was a Boy Scout and so we would drink it sometimes. But uh, this is living water, water like in En Gedi, that, uh, that wilderness place where David holed up, uh, David when he was on the run. And that water is cold, it is cool, it's refreshing. It's there today as it was there 2,000 years ago. And it's extraordinarily different, that moving, vitalized living water. And Jesus says, um, there's water and there's living water. Which will you have? So when you drink this water, remember that only the Lord Jesus will quench the true thirst of your spirit and soul. But we gave you this also, right? This is a koozie. And this koozie has a message on it, which we all know pretty well if we come here from time to time, because on the back it says, what? Impacting the world in Jesus' name. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. You too, Paul writes further in this letter, are empowered to be Christ to others. Or as John has written earlier in his gospel, to those who believe streams of living water will flow through them. Out of them will come streams of living water. So our lives, impacted by the risen Christ, are now destined and designed to impact other lives. My college roommate, Bob, who is now, um, he's an old man now. <laughs> and he's my age. <laughs> my college roommate is, uh, has become truly one of the kindest, gentlest, most generous, most thoughtful, most compassionate men I've ever known. I have witnessed men come up to him at social gatherings as they have gotten to know him and say and try to understand and ask him, how are you so kind? And he very humbly just, he said, well, I'm not that kind, really. And they said, oh, yes, you are. He said, no, I'm not. And, and he is. And uh, surprise, surprise, my college roommate, Bob Lynn, is a follower of the Lord Jesus, and he loves Jesus. And I hardly know a better example 
of someone from whom streams of living water have come on him and flow out of him to others. I asked him uh, this week, uh, thinking about this sermon and uh, just this impact of us. Since then, we have been raised with Christ. I said, I asked him, uh, I said, how come you're that way? I've tried to you know, penetrate that a little bit and say, why? And, and of course, first of all, he denied he was. Uh, that humility that comes with that true, genuine, authentic kind of Christian person. And I said, no, you, you really are. <laughs> and uh, it's just, how is it? And, and he said, well... Uh, my parents had a huge impact on my life. Now, surprise, surprise, I knew his mom and dad well back in those college days. I knew his mom for a long time who lived much longer than his father. And she was, surprise, a wonderful Christian woman uh, in every way. And she told her son, and he told me that he's never forgotten. She said to him, try to make a difference a little bit of difference in every person's life that you meet during the day for the better. Try to do something for them that will make their day better. And he says, I've tried to do that. She just had such a, you know, that message is she just it came over and over and over again. And so he does. I remember a sermon by Bishop Lawrence. It wasn't anything particularly profound, maybe, but it's on this subject. Uh, Bishop Lawrence speaking about this. He says, the gospel changes us. How we think, how we act, how we relate. And then he said, if you are not different, then the gospel has not established its goodness in you. If streams of living water are not flowing out from you, then there's a short circuit between you and the Lord Jesus. You can't do it without that first connect. And once you've made that first connect, if you think you've got it, you don't gut it if it's not naturally flowing out from you in love, compassion, generosity, mercy, kindness, gentleness, fairness to others. My brother in Christ, John Barr, who is a marvelous writer, writes this about that living water. He said, out of that flow of living water that the woman at the well heard about, the spring which bubbles up and never quits, the life of Jesus inside you, we get surprised by joy that God uses us, that's in italics here, to bring people into that same river out of his heart. And then in the brackets, parentheses of John Barr, can you believe it? Your heart, my heart, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then he quotes William Temple. Listen to William Temple here. He who trusts in Christ not only receives the water of life that springs up to eternal life, but becomes the source of that gift to others. For no one can possess or rather be indwelt by the Spirit of God and keep that Spirit to himself. Where the Spirit is, he flows forth. If there is no flowing forth, William Temple declared, then the Spirit is not there. The world has not changed. But you have. And I have. And in every generation, from the times of Peter and Mary seeing him, to Saul of Tarsus becoming St. Paul and 
um, impacting Timothy and Titus and Philip impacting the Ethiopian eunuch and St. Augustine, whose mother Monica prayed for him for years to receive the living water, and he did and became a saint and a great author of the church, to John and Charles Wesley, to William Wilberforce. I mean, if you go on and on and on, to my grandparents, my parents, my sisters and brothers, to me, all impacted by others on our lives to receive the streams of living water, and to you as well, that you would be impacted by the truth of what we celebrate today, that Christ has died, and He is risen. And because He is risen, Paul says, since then, you have been raised with Christ in your life. Amen. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. But when I'm gone from here someday, I do hope you will remember Gert Bahanna's words that I share with you because they speak such a deep truth for our lives. Oh, Lord. And she said she was quoting a long dead slave. And maybe it took somebody in that posture of slavery, perhaps somebody in the deep south who knew the rigors of life and the suffering of life and the hardship of life, who received the streams of living water and they flowed out from him and his words or her words are still resound today through Gurpahanna, and may they resound from this pulpit today. Oh, Lord, I ain't what I ought to be. Oh, Lord, I ain't what I want to be. Oh, Lord, I ain't what I'm going to be. But thanks, Lord, I ain't what I used to be. Streams of living water. Jesus is risen. You are risen. We are risen. What a celebration. Amen.